Welcome back to the Alternate Shot Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Matt. And it is the final major of the year, the PGA Championship, this week. But we have a um, a chock-full agenda today. Matt, take us through it. Sure. We'll recap the Firestone, Hideki's win. We'll talk about some news items, a big schedule shakeup coming in 2019. we got guys wearing shorts and practice rounds this week. Steph Curry did not make the cut in the Web.com tour. And we will, of course, preview the PGA Championship at Quill Hollow. All right. So first things first, we're going to cover, obviously, the WGC Bridgestone Invitational. Um, we talked about it on the pod that this event, the the final round, always leads to some crazy fireworks. And uh, we were not denied. No, we weren't. Um, 61 is no joke, man. Uh, Hideki, no joke. Hideki went out and did everything he needed to do. We, we talked about when we previewed this tournament, you know, is it is it boring? Is it is it kind of lame that you have these pretty straight par fours and guys just rip driver, hit wedge and make putts? And and I said, you know, if you go out and you do that and you go and get a bunch of birdies and you win that tournament, all the power to you. And Hideki shot 61, just took it from everybody, tied Tiger, uh, Tiger's course record and which he shares with a couple others. Uh, but just a dominating performance for his second WGC win of the year. Uh, Fantastic final round by a bunch of people. We saw Charlie Hoffman getting into it with his caddy. It was a it was a very enjoyable round and a in a good tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was interesting. I had seen a, a stat as it came out after he um you know he won the event. He's the only he's the third three time winner this year. The other two are DJ and Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I think it's you know I had said you know he's a sneaky long driver of the ball. He's a sneaky dominant player in the world right now. If that makes any sense, because. He he's he's the same age as Jordan. He's a little bit younger, actually. So he's yeah. 25 years old, I think, um, or almost 25. He has absolutely destroyed um, the events he's played in this year. He is establishing himself as a dominant player. I think it's not hard to imagine that this guy could be a force to be reckoned with for years to come, um, and maybe the best player, you know, certainly the best player in recent years to come out of Japan. Oh, for sure. He's, you know, world golf ranking number two. He's FedEx Cup number one. Like you said, this is, uh, you know, he's in that group of people that have won three times. Amazing. He said after the round and they were saying during the round that he had just a terrible warm up session. And, you know, I know they say a bad dress rehearsal means a great performance, but um, that's generally not the case in golf. I feel like you either have it or you don't. And for him to go out and really perform after what was apparently just a, a really, really bad warm up. And he said after the round that, you know, he didn't have his swing all day. Uh, it sure looked like he had his swings. He did everything right to to his ability. I'm pretty sure he's number one on the tour, strokes gain, tee to green. Um, yeah. And he's, he's actually kind of a mediocre putter, uh, probably even a, a subpar putter. But he putted incredibly well on Sunday, played well the whole week. Um, he'd not, you know, he kind of hadn't done anything in a while. I know he went home to Japan for a little bit. He wasn't mm-hmm. exactly the, uh, lighting the open. world on fire. Yeah, so, you know. Tons of talent. I guess talent never takes a, a day off. Um, no, maybe it, do, it does take days off, but then it comes back when summoned. And um, right. he dominated. I mean, just watching it, it was it was absurd. He just, I mean, when you birdie a par four, it's it's the di- most difficult hole. It's the most difficult par, I think, to yeah. birdie. You know, you you're, two great golf shots, and you got to make the putt. Exactly. Any no and he, margin for error. Yeah, and I think he birdied like five mm-hmm. of them. Just a, a yeah. dominant, dominant round. Uh, so impressive going into going into a major week. I thought it was cool that uh, after the round, he was asked about the 61. 61, obviously, is the is tied for the course record. It's happened there on the south course at Firestone. Um, he's the fourth player to do it. It's happened five times. Tiger did it twice, as you mentioned. Uh, Jose Maria Olafabo and Sergio Garcia are the other two, including Hideki. But... I had uh, I did not know this, but he played with Tiger the last time Tiger shot 61, and he said, uh, he said, "quote I played with Tiger four years ago when he shot 61, so I knew 60 a 61 was the number today. So for whatever reason, he was feeling he was channeling that um, that inner uh, Tiger energy, and certainly it paid off for him. Uh, massive win heading into uh, you know that's the most momentum you could be carrying right now into the PGA Championship." Uh, it should be an incredibly exciting tournament. The field is certainly shaking up to be one for the ages. Yeah, and we'll get into it. Maybe we want to tech off the the other yeah, sort of news items of the week. Well, before we move off the off the Bridgestone as well, um, we talked last week about Charlie Hoffman. Charlie mm-hmm. Hoffman's having a great year. He's going to make the Presidents Cup. Uh, he's won a won a bunch of money. Um, and we were saying, you know, potential friend of the pod. We're liking his attitude. We're liking what we're seeing out of him. <laughs> 
I love this dude. I know. I mean, the, the back and forth with the caddy is I, I like to think that this is the way that everyone thinks when they compete on the PGA Tour. But you would, Charlie Hoffman would be excused for laying up, going to make a birdie, and just preserving his second so as to guarantee that he, you know, makes the tour championship that he makes the president's cup team you know he could have rinsed he had, so if you didn't see he basically had to go he had like 285 to carry the water he was in the first cut went to his caddy said you know i want to want to hit this green i don't think anyone had gone for the green the whole day um and he the caddy was like no no no, lay up like make your birdie whatever and he said something to the effect of i'm tired of coming in second i want to win a tournament i need to eagle this give me the driver and and he yeah. and he ripped it, and he 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 carried the water by a couple of yards. It was, it was a really cool moment. Um, he made par, which sort of you know it didn't help him out at the end of the day. But you know it's great to see competitors kind of lay it all out there and say, "I want to win. I'm sick of coming in second. I want to I want to go get a W." Yeah. Um, it was a very very cool moment. Charlie Hoffman, a absolute friend of the pod at this point. I'm all in on him. Um, and, you know, the sort of attitude that I want to see in the President's Cup. Sometimes people think the President's Cup doesn't matter. It's a bit of a, you know, it's a JV Ryder Cup. Let's go win this thing and give me guys yeah. like Charlie Hoffman who want to go get W's. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was almost like a bit of a tin cup kind of uh, conversation between the two guys. They were discussing the veto. I guess, <laughs> I guess it wasn't just Bones that had the veto in his bag. And uh, no, my favorite, my favorite line of that is, I'll let you do this if, uh, if you want to do this. Yeah. Like he got his permission slip from his caddy to hit driver. On a whole, to your point, that would have totally, it could have totally tanked his round. Obviously, he almost makes eagle and makes eagle. Um, it's a very different golf tournament. So, yeah. So that's that, sorry, that was like a halfway made point by me. If he rinses that drive, or excuse me, he rinses his second shot driver off the deck, which is you know you don't get that thing in the air easily, bounds into the water, and he comes in, you know, he, he falls yeah. down to fifth or sixth or something. You know, now he's like not guaranteed to make the Presidents Cup makes less money he's not guaranteed of his you know place in the fedex championship you know i don't know it, he could have been no one no one would have blamed him for laying up right and just to see that it's it's a very refreshing uh bit of candor i know that you know rory one time said you know i've made enough money where the money of winning the fedex cup has very little to do with my desire to win the fedex cup right i just want to win it i want to yeah. win the thing that measures our golf season. And it was like, okay, it was like, it kind of came out wrong, but I knew what he meant. Um, and it's awesome to see. And, and, you know, Charlie Hoffman, super chill, SoCal bro, but, you know, kind of, kind of letting him hang. And it, it was, it was a very cool moment. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk news. So unless you've been living under a rock, have no internet connection, no TV, uh, <laughs> You would have no association to yeah. humanity and the first world in general. Exactly. Then you would have known that um, uh, Steph Curry played in a web.com event called the Ellie Mae Classic. And it, it turned the world on its end. Sports Center had it all over. If you looked at the, if you looked at the web.com website, they have one of those scrolling uh, pages with all the, the live video updates. Yep. Literally, um, I think it was a 12-frame box that they had set up. I think 10 of them had live updates from somewhere on uh, during Steph's rounds. Yeah. Um, it was pretty incredible to see a guy of that caliber, uh, NBA player, playing uh, what really appeared to be some pretty good golf at the professional level. Yeah, I mean, the, the core, I don't want to sound like a, a super Debbie Downer here. I, I know I'm going to. Um, you know, he came in second to last place. He missed the cut. He, he was 21 shots off the lead. Uh, you know, he went out and shot low numbers, you know, certainly more threes and fours than than I think most people expected to see. Because when we've seen other players try and do this, Tony Romo, John Smoltz is of the world. You know, they go and they shoot 80. They're, they're not really in. They're not really in contention. Steph was not in contention, but 74-74 looks pretty respectable. So all in all, I, I think this stuff is cool. I think any way to democratize the, the sport of golf is is great when you have the NBA a former NBA MVP running around out there, mm -hmm. you know, making par is not embarrassing himself. I think that's a very good thing for the game. I have no problem with the sponsor's exemption going out to him. Obviously he gets people in the gates and he, you know, drew, drew some attention to the event. Um, you know, a, a mild eye roll for me that, that ESPN.com basically, if you clicked on the fucking golf tab on ESPN.com <laughs> on Friday, no mention of Thomas Peters shooting a 65 on Thursday. No mention. I mean, like some mention you had to like scroll like yeah. below the fold 
to find out that the Bridgestone Invitational was happening. Yeah, no. It was, it was Steph Tracker, how's he doing? And it was like, he is in 135th out of 136 players. Like, he's not doing well. well. Has he collapsed and, like, died on the course? No. Has he, like, has he totally embarrassed himself? No. It, like, I don't know. This just felt like a, this is the sort of thing that would be, okay, let's do our ESPN. We're going to pretend we care about golf for four minutes. All right, here we go. Peter's doing well. Rory's back. Here's a Spieth highlight. Okay, great. Here's the leaderboard. We'll do the notables. We'll put a footnote that Tiger's not here because the casual fan still isn't even, like, aware that Tiger doesn't play golf anymore. And then, like, oh, fun fact, you know, Steph Curry's doing this thing, isn't that isn't that like funny? Um, as opposed to what it was, where it was just like, let's just watch every single shot that Steph Curry hit today, and like, I, I don't know, it was a little. I have this is a this is a projection of general ESPN and and other media coverage of of golf. I feel like golf's never been in a better place, but like since Tiger's not playing, like we don't report about it, and this just like, all right, well, Steph's playing, so let's talk about golf. It was just like, get the fuck out of here. It, it was so frustrating. Sorry, it did, it I'm pissed. It, it accomplished the goal that they set out, which was to put the Ellie May Classic. I tell you what, about the Ellie May Corporation, whatever that is, really, uh, they were high fiving themselves because it. That's the point. Those guys get. Do we zero. know what they do? I don't know. But the point is, is that other than the players' families, nobody watches Web.com when there's when there's PJ Tour golf going on at the same. I mean, unfortunately, that's just not a reality. So this this changed that, albeit for a short amount of time. But I tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of the minor league baseball strategies going into this to get a little bit more a little bit more attention. I mean, the idea that a celebrity guy, a celebrity athlete like Steph, is playing and playing at that level. You're right. It's dead second to last. But he wasn't last. And this isn't your member guest qualifier. This is professional golf at a very high level. This isn't even qualifying for the USM or the US Mid-Am. This is some dead serious stuff. Um, he could have shot a thousand. I mean, he could have like remember this. This is everything in the hole. All the pressure. There's there's nothing he could have done to win. Obviously, all he could have done was embarrass himself and lose. And I think because he didn't embarrass himself, that it was an absolute win. I agree. Is it a publicity stunt? Of course it is. But doesn't mean it wasn't cool to watch. No, that's totally fine. And this isn't like a happy Gilmore thing, like where, you know, he, he shouldn't be out here. He's a disgrace to the sport. Like I, I have I have no problem whatsoever with Steph Curry. Do you think he showed up and he was like, I'm a basketball player playing golf today? I mean, he, he, you know, he seems like a cool guy and he probably was full of jokes and his playing partners were like, yeah, yeah no, he, seemed, he didn't. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think about these playing like these pros and they go to these and this is true every week. I'm actually not sure if this is true of majors because they're they're so focused. But I know for basically every other PGA Tour event, on Wednesday they play a pro am, mm -hmm. and they play with some like you know some CEO or some philanthropist or or, or someone who 99% chance this person sucks, right? I've I've gone to see the pro am at the Deutsche yeah. Bank and. You yeah, know, I'm, not, I'm watching yeah. Phil play play around with with Larry Summers, okay, and they're having a pretty interesting discussion about like corporate inversions and what the <laughs> the, sounds, the yeah. economic value and benefits oh, are, and and it, Phil it's, being Phil, but it was it was awesome to to watch, but new this may shock you, but Larry Summers fucking blows golf like he can't <laughs> do anything, and um you know Phil's just kind of out there and he like he doesn't care and blah blah, blah. And I'm, I, these pros I feel like they're used to like oh like Steph Curry's here like okay like this is gonna this is going to be a joke. Like the Pebble Beach Pro Am, like, oh, we're playing with, you know, we're playing with Bill Belichick today. Like, okay, he's going to shoot. Well, you know that, like, and you, you know that, like, Tony Romo now saw this, and he, now that he's, you know, he's been grinding on the range. Oh, yeah. Tony, Tony's coming for Steph next year. He, I tell you what, Steph has set the bar. He has set the bar. Well, he, he's definitely set the bar in that How he, about losing he to Steph partly, Curry? partly legitimized, you know, this attempt. Uh, I, I think one, I think Steph lost to one person who is an amateur player who was you know a, a similarly last minute addition or sponsor's exemption to the tournament um yeah no that guy will have fun stories to tell at the bar 5 years from now when he's not on the web.com tour not <laughs> on the PGA tour um but no and and you know what that'll be a fun little fact one day maybe he'll win a major and and he'll be an even more fun fact but no no like all in all i i think i have no problem with this and to your, your minor league baseball point like i wouldn't mind that either um i think that'd be kind of cool but at the same time I don't know. I, I think it's, I don't know. It just bothers me that, that golf coverage is the way it is. And this was just, um, this was just the, the, the sour fruit of that poison Sorry. tree. I have it here. Steph Curry, he beat four guys. Three of them were pros. 
He beat Chris Worrell, Doug Letson, Matthew Gogan. He beat Matt Gogan and Colt McNeely, who's an, also another amateur. So obviously you have bad weeks. Everybody has bad weeks. It's irrelevant who's in the field if you have, are having one of those weeks. Right? Am I supposed I to know it. who Matthew Gogan is? Yes, Matthew Gogan. I, re- I remember that name. Why do I remember that name? Player profile. Matt Gogan. How do I spell Gogan? G-O-G-G-I. He's from Australia. Uh, you know what? I must be confusing him with somebody else. I, I, the name sounded really familiar. Sorry, Matt. Stand corrected. All good. But still, your anyway, point's taken. It was, cool to, it was cool to see. All right. Got no problem with it, but like, let's just move on. It was On it was, to the next. Yeah. It was just one of those things like... Can I get an update on the Bridgestone? Nope. Sorry. We're, yeah. on, we're on Steph Curry fucking Panda yeah. Watch. The mood is tense. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, putting that, that. for par. <laughs> Panda Watch. He's 18 shots behind the leader on the 16th hole. He is nowhere near well, the cut. But let's, think, live, I, let's live tweet it. I know. But everybody was waiting for the inevitable like triple, triple quad that took him to uh, completely out of it. And I think because he just he was making lots of pars. I mean, by the way. That is a great example of how hard it is to do anything on the web.com tour. The, the, the numbers those guys were putting up are insane. So the idea that four over is dead last. The guy who wanted is 18 under par. 18 under par. Yeah. And by the way, it was probably cool for the players to have Steph Curry around. And I'm sure they appreciate they global, it. And their, they kid, global media. their kids got to meet him. Satellite and yeah, trucks look, were there. The whole all in deal. All, all in all, a good thing. Um, there's no good golf coverage anymore from anywhere. And that's why you have the Ultimate Shot podcast. Exactly. All right. So on to other, more other golf news, the yep. other big story, obviously super relevant, given the week that we are in, is the decision by the PGA of America to move two huge events, the first being obviously the PGA Championship. And then to make room for that, they're going to move the Players' Championship back into um, back into March, where it was. Yeah, for the PG, PJ in May, players in March. Correct. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's a serious move. They've, uh, I think they've only played the PJ Championship outside of the month of August once in the history of the event. Um, and this is a huge, huge change. It'll be the number two major after the Masters. Yeah, so I'm in two minds about this. On the one hand, I totally understand why the PGA Championship is moving. Uh, for the longest time, the PJ Championship has, in my mind, almost signaled the end of summer. Um, it, it was, mm-hmm. you know, the PJ championship would happen and, and it was time to go back to school and it just sort of everyone. Yeah. It was kinda, a sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's just like, but somber it, overtones a little bit, but I, I remember, undertones. yeah, but I remember, you know, that, that to me is almost an, a, an unofficial ending of the summer. And so to, to move it is like mildly sentimentally. Yeah. I know what you mean. Twinging, but okay. Anyway, moving on, but like, I totally get why they're moving it to a different point in the calendar year. It mm-hmm. allows them to use courses in the southern half of our country now which have not been available because every course in houston or in dallas or houston or florida or you know just totally burned away um yep so i'm fine with that the players though i think is weird i think the players is a huge tournament it will never stop being a huge tournament it is the fifth major and for it to be this close to the masters and indeed before the masters feels out of place to me there is a the pgh season starts they start in you know they, they start in hawaii they go to california mm-hmm. they move their way east they do this florida swing half the field goes to the shell to go warm up in houston the other half just practices at augusta all week and then we have the masters and it's sort of this like you know the pj season has been going on at that point for two or well, three players, months but yeah. it's like all right everyone's everyone's ready to go like this is the big this is the big yeah. thing it is the but masters the players, to we're be here the players players was big before the move players used to be in march and what the, the the one argument that i really liked about this was it does even out the golf season with the majors right so with the with the exception of so basically you have march april may june july or sorry april may june july and you have a month off so you have yeah so March, April, May, June, July. is uh, There's a major basically in every month. So you're losing yeah, August. Basically. But then the other option that I, I read an article I thought was a really interesting take was the argument that, and the PGA has not said why they've done this other than the, the classic sort of lip service of it's for the good of the pros and we want to support our PGA professionals, which is the, the line that they always use. Of course, the PGA of America is different than the PGA Tour. They're all about the club pro. They're all about... It's just saying earlier in the season is better than the end. There's more people watching. The other, but I think mainly what this is about is they don't want to compete with the, the the deal they cut with the tours. They don't want to compete with the NFL. Oh, 100%. So the fact that the playoffs, right, the FedEx Cup, runs into preseason football, 
um, and football is uh, what's America watching on Sunday? Like, I'm sorry. Unfortunately for them, uh, it's never going to be golf. So I think it was a really smart play. Um, and then they also mentioned things like, like the Olympics. Now that golf is an Olympic sport, we saw obviously that the players skipped the Olympics because to them, uh, it Olympic made a lot golf, more. Olympic golf doesn't matter though. Don't you remember? <laughs> yeah, I remember they said that for sure. And, and, and that's sad because they were being forced to choose between the chance for $20 million prize and national, uh, national pride. I, I personally think that the guys who went are, um, I was being facetious. Are making the right call. No, 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 but you're right. But then they're removing that challenge now, right? If they move the FedEx cup up into August, that never becomes an issue, um, or shouldn't become an issue. So personally, I think it's a cool idea. It's going to be very weird, uh, after the masters to get ready for the PGA, but who knows, maybe it gives the PGA championship more, more, more footing, more standing. It's never really been, it's always been sort of the, you know, the kid brother of the rest of the majors. And I think, um, I don't think it, I don't think it needs to be, uh, I think it could be a great idea. We shall I, see. I think having the FedEx cup in August is an excellent thing for the FedEx cup. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. The, the FedEx cup, and we've talked about this, you know, no one goes to the tour championship because there is a Georgia Bulldogs football game on Saturday and there's mm-hmm. an Atlanta Falcons game on Sunday and no one fucking cares. No one goes. And yep. you know, it, it's, it's true at every stop really. Um, of, you know, they start, they start in New York. Um, they come here on Labor Day. People are like kind of paying attention, but a lot of people are Nobody pays attention. on the Cape or out of town. It's just like it, we it, pay to, to have these things yeah. in August is going to be much, much better. I totally agree. Um, and, you know, this this idea of, well, the Olympics, it, it helps open up the Olympics. OK, partly by that. Um, and this idea of and then this sort of leads into the Ryder Cup. I get that. Um, it's, yeah, I think it, the, it spaces things out a lot. Um, so it, uh, look, it I, I don't have a problem for with a it. more it's, balanced it, season for I sure. Think. Um, but I also think that there are, you know, if the season when the season ends sooner, it ostensibly needs to begin earlier in the year right and you're having now like the sony open and stuff i understand that's hawaii but where we're in boston and when the sony open happens or when the pga season begins we're like four months away from being able to go play and it's just it feels a little weird it would be like if hockey just started playing in like august it's it's a little odd you know in my mind the golf calendar is is like you know obviously I, i make an extension because we live in a in a in a cold part of the country and I, I, I totally get that but like we play fall golf we, we golf in october november but the pros don't well they will now every they play the rider well no they play the rider cup like october 1st october 2nd and they're done yeah but the rider cup is was always was never really in question I, I think fundamentally it's it's twofold i think one the american audiences aren't taking the fedex cup as seriously as they want it to and a lot of that has to do to your point with competing with football Saturday, Sunday in the fall was reserved for football by red-blooded Americans. That's just the deal, and there's no way to compete against it. No sport has ever figured out how to compete against football. So what they do is they simply avoid it. This is a money, this is a money deal first and foremost. But as a golf fan, I, I don't know how much I would like to, to think of the last major being the Open Championship. I think it's kind of cool that there's a, you know, a battle on our time zone being the last, you know, the last kind of event. But yeah, I, it would be. I, I think a if they do move the FedEx Cup into August, my God, what if those events become like, like the players? I think it would be incredible. Um, I think it can only be good for golf, and you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how it works out. Yeah, I think the FedEx Cup would probably benefit from some format changes. I, I think you want to get the casual, the like, I mean, super casual sports fans' attention. Uh, the ten million dollars, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, it doesn't have the same punch as it used to. And if you're, if you're, yeah, and you're right though, but right, but there's also like a, uh, you know, the World Series of Poker. I think they pay out prizes to people that come in second, third, and fourth place, but they're not very like public about it. I think if the FedEx Cup just became a, if it moved away from, if you're in the top five and you win, then you get all the money. But you know, if you're eighth and you win, and you, you know, you better see how the guy who's in like fourth, uh, it's just like a weird system that's very hard to explain and even the most intense golf fan would, would would not be able to keep up with this. It should just become a winner take all, make it 20 mil, yeah. just market the shit out of it. And, and I don't know, I think it could be, th- this could be a bit of a, a refresh and a rebirth for, for yeah. the FedEx Ma- Cup. Maybe this is the first step on the road to recovery. They got to do something. Um, 
hopefully this is the, um, you know, the start of it. Okay. Absolutely. We got one more news item. It's less news. It's just like, tell me how you feel about PGA Tour players warming up in <laughs> shorts today. Yeah. So this is such an interesting... Um, I have had this conversation with a lot of people, actually. Um, really? It's, it's w- weird. Only because, you know, there's this argument at um, at the... It's been going on for a long time. Of course, uh, PGA Tour caddies were first first allowed to wear shorts on the golf course. That actually ruffled more feathers than you would think it would. But I've had conversations with some friends, family. My <laughs> most famously, my my father, who's a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to this stuff. Mm. I said, you know, what would the what would the worst thing be if we if we allowed PJ Tour players to wear shorts on the golf course, like during the actual events? I, I don't know. I mean. Athletes wear shorts in every other sport, um, exception of baseball. But um, uh, I don't know. There's a bit of an elegance to it. I think there's a bit of a tradition to seeing the professionals wear long pants. But I did not realize that this was the first time they were allowed to do it until I was watching just randomly the, the coverage. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that something's, something's different about this, <laughs> what I'm seeing on TV here. Yeah, I, I think maybe because we, we watch, you know, Ricky and JT and all them on Instagram and Snapchat that it's like it's not at all shocking for me to see you know Ricky out there playing in shorts or Jordan Spieth out there playing in shorts we see them playing with no shoes and no shirt at Baker's Bay right on Snapchat so it's really not a big deal to me um but I I guess for people it's it's new and and different and odd I mean you think about you go across sports and like no NFL coach wears a suit, but every coach in hockey and basketball wears one. And in baseball, they wear a uniform. And like, what are the refs wearing in each of those sports? It's just like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see like, you know, the caddies changing the shorts, like, great, don't care. And then I, I just don't really have a problem, certainly not with them in practice rounds when it's 88 degrees and humid as all hell right. in Charlotte on August 8th. Um, you know, I got no problem with it. Will there be a point when players can wear shorts during events do you I mean, think they, okay do you think it would be a bad thing or, well, let me ask you a question. well like, who cares like well, who cares like what's the problem okay well let's let's i don't I, I think none of us really probably would care but which do you like to see better like i personally think the uh when baseball players wear the socks the high socks mm-hmm. that's a better look than when they wear the pants right oh, so what's a better look is your question my question is yeah what's the better look what's the better yeah i mean look it's a lifelong dream of mine to see beef johnson in shorts <laughs> but you know some dreams some dreams <laughs> oh, don't come true i'm um, sorry that that's your lifelong yeah, I dream know. i just i just don't really care i think you see players now taking liberties with like the joggers and you know there's that's it, it's cool just, though it's fashion I mean, that's a it's different. you kind of do what you want like you wear a flat brim hat you can you kind of look like yeah. a traffic cone like ricky did on sunday i don't know i just i personally don't see a problem with it i mean i wonder at what point like the joggers thing right like at what point does the at what, what, a, but seriously, but what at what point does does the yeah. nun come out to Ricky and say your joggers are too high up your calf? They're, they're doing you, it on you, the LPGA you, tour. You are in violation they're of the. They're doing it on the LPGA well, what I'm tour. Saying, like at a certain point, it's like I don't know. Like what? get the measuring, get the ruler out. Whatever. You know what I want to see? I want to see these guys hit missiles, stuff pins, yeah. make putts, interact with the crowd, be relatable. Okay. And if they do that by wearing shorts, like. 99.9% of the weekend warriors do when they go play. Right, right, right. Then I'm all for it. And by the way, they do this in their free time anyway. So like I don't yeah, like, no. I, I don't know. I look, we it probably won't happen for a long time. Right. And I understand that there's like a professionalism to like the caddies at Augusta wear all white and they only do it there and you, you mm-hmm. know, you got to dress a certain way and like that's fine. I don't have a problem with it at all, but it's just it's one of those things like do you care? No. Nope. By the way, I have to address this because I'm laughing. The the birds you hear in the background are seagulls. They're so loud. I like. Are, we have a window open now, and I thought for a second it would be fine, but it sounds like the uh, prehistoric forest here. I think they're just they're mocking us. They don't like the the sound and intonation of our pod voices. <laughs> and they're trying to they're trying to give us tips. But are you you're the bird whisperer, Matt? <laughs> the bird whisperer. No, honestly, um, no. As it relates to the shorts thing, the um, uh. You're right. It'll it'll all play out as as it probably should. I think people's you know tastes change. Players want to wear what they want to wear. Uh, so we'll see. First time we've seen it in Amer- on American soil. I think they can do it on the uh, on the European tour. So um, 
yeah, we'll see if this catches on with the PGA Tour. I doubt it, but we will. We'll find out. Well, like, look, dress codes change, right? I mean, you ever seen a picture of Fenway Park in like 1920? You know, every single person is wearing a tuxedo and a bowler hat at, at Fenway Park, right? <laughs> and like, you go to Fenway Park now, half the people don't have sleeves on. It's just like, yeah, th- th- these things change. And Bobby Jones played in, sh- you know, shirt and tie. I don't know. I yeah. go to work now at a company where you used to have to wear a suit and tie five years ago. I'm wearing, Times, I'm wearing jeans and a, a Q-zip. So, like, you know, this is, this is the way of the world, and, right. and golf really shouldn't be any different. Well, we will see. Um, All right. Part it's, of the reason, it's, it is screamingly yeah. obvious you want to talk about the PGA Championship. Yeah. Part of the so reason these guys let you go. are psyched to wear shorts is that this golf tournament is being held in North Carolina, where it is currently um, quite hot, although the forecast seems to be on the cooler side. Uh, yeah, I, look, I looked it up in advance of this conversation, and it's like, livable yeah it's like it's like yeah. mid 80s if you guys have never been down to north carolina in the summertime it can get hot um maybe yeah maybe part of the reason why they want to move this thing to the springtime but they're at quail hollow this week quail hollow is very familiar to the tour um it has had um some significant course changes made uh to again to modernize it we've talked about modernizing golf courses in the past uh, the front nine is, is what, you, what you'll hear on TV is having the most severe changes to the golf course, but it is, again, designed to essentially uh, not Tiger-proof, maybe DJ-proof the golf course, maybe Roy-proof the golf course. It's going to be a much more, um, much more significant test than, um, you know, than it has been in the past. It's, it's, it's been a uh, host of the Wells Fargo Championship uh, for a long, long time. And uh, I think 2004 to 2016, that event has been, was held there. That's right. So uh, the guys know it. Not everybody plays it very well. Hideki's a guy that's, ch- that's struggled there. Not struggled, but he hasn't played particularly well. Uh, what are your thoughts, Matt, as we head into the final major of the year? A uh, couple thoughts the, for the course. Um, Ricky and Rory both got their first wins at this course, and they're playing together. Uh, you know, has to be a cool moment for, for any player to return to the the scene of their first victory. Um, this was a longer-haired, goateed Rick Fowler who won his first tournament in 2012. Vintage Rick. Yep. Uh, I think Rory Rory won it maybe the year prior, and and uh, and then lost that lost in a playoff to Ricky that year, and has since won again. So a, a lot of people probably going to be picking Rory this week based on a decent performance last week in Ohio and his familiarity with this golf course. Um, you know, the story to me is I think when we think of the PGA Championship. We oftentimes think about a tournament where someone's going to go very low, a tournament where a, an outsider has a chance, a, a rich beam, a <laughs> Sean McKeel, a, a Y.E. Yang sort of yep. situation. Um, you know, and this golf course, its closing three holes are, I think, have been over the last three or four years, the toughest closing stretch of holes on the tour. I was surprised by that stat, but you're right. They have been. Yeah, the Green Mile, it's, it's, you know, it's intense. And they, um, I think that's not to call it, but we can edit that out if they don't. Um, but Yeah, it's like a par 4-3-4 stretch that has, and they've, they've, I think there's a new tree they may have put in or, or they've shaped the last, the 18th hole where guys, if they want to go for it, have to take a very aggressive line over the trees. And uh, you miss that just a bit. And you could be looking at a chip out. So the point it's, being, it sort of is going to eliminate this this the Y.E. Yangness opportunity for I think a, some rando to just show up and and snatch this thing at the end. I think what you're going to see is a little bit more like a traditional major where it's the true cream of the crop getting weeded out over the course of four days by very difficult conditions that were built specifically to create drama on a Sunday afternoon, not just on the back nine but on the final three holes. This is this sort of has the feel of no lead being safe. Um, yeah. You know, if someone's two strokes up going on to 16, that's not in the bag. They can't iron their mm-hmm. way to, to win that tournament. They're going, going to need to make shots and make putts and close the thing out. Um, wouldn't shock me to see a playoff. Wouldn't shock me to see someone leading after 15 holes on Sunday and not win the tournament. Uh, very, very excited for the course, for the event. Uh, love the layout. Excited for the changes. I think it's going to be a great event. I was surprised by the the odds that came out. Um, I would have thought that Jordan Spieth would be the top dog. He's not. Rory McIlroy is favored to win. Um, he's got seven to one odds, slight edge over Spieth at eight to one. They're they're giving him a lot of credit based on his two wins here. How much of that do you think is going to come into it this weekend versus trending performance this year on the tour? 
I think, you know, golf's a, a little bit of a momentum sport. And, you know, we've talked about this before with respect to Rory. The most talented player on the tour is Rory McIlroy. And, yeah, and I, I, I like, think I don't physically think it's, or just just as from a. Yeah, if everyone plays their best every single week, yeah, Rory wins right. every week. I agree. With and, you. Yeah. you know, Rory's had an up and down year, but I think any glimmer of hope out of Rory, people are going to latch on to, especially, of course, he's familiar with. Played well last week. Uh, you know, has now played well, you know, two straight events, I guess. You know, both top 10 finishes. He seems to be rounding into form. He did this last year where he was kind of like plodding along and things were fine and yada, yada, yada. And then he went and won the FedEx Cup. And he said in his post-round interview on Sunday, for some reason, he just likes playing in August. It just, it works for him. Um, he's geared up. He's dialed in. So I think that's why people like him. I think people would be remiss to just sort of dismiss Jordan Spieth at this point. Um, he is certainly not scared of the big moment and has shown an ability to deliver. There's no real reason why this course won't work for him. Uh, his game is pretty adaptable in every situation. But I think, yeah, you know, what has surprised me, and look, odds are odds, right? They're a reflection of, of where people are putting their money. They're not a reflection of the likelihood of someone right, to win, right, right? right? But like, how quickly have you forgotten about DJ where he's like, you know, oh, yeah. right, he's not the favorite anymore. Like, okay, like, I don't know. He, yeah, if you pick DJ thinking he's going to come back from this back injury, uh, this would be the week that you'd take him. He says he's feeling good. He's feeling a lot better than he did at the Open Championship. He didn't win the Open Championship, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't on an early flight home. The guy should technically be able to dominate this golf course the way it's set up. Everything that, that this course favors for Rory McIlroy should technically, um, should technically mean that DJ has a shot as well. So, yeah, if this becomes a power player's golf course and the penalties off the tee are such that, uh, you know, a guy like Jordan Spieth, who isn't the most accurate player, he could have some trouble. And yeah, this could be Rory's championship to lose. Uh, I tell you what, he was dead serious in the press conference talking about how, how he wants to be the first guy to the career grand slam. This would be shutting the door in Jordan's face and right. they would head to the Masters. So, I mean, that, I mean, that is got to be in the back of his mind as well. Yeah, I, th there's no reason he can't win. Um, you know, I think, again, we have a week where there's probably 10 or 15 people who could, it wouldn't shock you at all. Um, and then there's probably 10 or 15 more you'd go, okay, I didn't see that coming, but like, yeah. all right, kind of of the Kepka mold. In the PGA Championship, again, I think always sort of brings out, you think of some of these, the past winners of this tournament. It's it's not like, it's. I listed the, the nobodies who, yeah, the nobodies who have made noise in the last 15 years. We've also had people who are like good players who, you know, Ryder Cup caliber players, but not major contenders generally go out and win this event. You know, Keegan Bradley's mm -hmm. and Jimmy Walker's and, and Jason Duffner's. And this is a tournament that I think allows that to happen. Um, so, you know, I don't know the, the, who's the favorite. I'm not sure. I don't know how you don't pick. I don't know how you don't pick Hideki based on what you saw from him on Sunday. Uh, right. Um, he's he's been outstanding. He has finished in the top 10 of every major this year. It, the guy just goes out and produces. And it's maybe because he like never speaks English. So we never see him on television. <laughs> well, seriously, he's just never, he's a, no, no, that's not like a fault. I'm just saying he's not like a, he's not marketable. He's not doing quick and loans commercials. He's not even like yeah. doing interviews with, uh, you know, with Holly Saunders. He's he's just kind of quietly doing his thing, and his girlfriend's think, not starring. in yeah, and I think, Sharknado Eight. Yeah, yeah. We we just don't talk about him a lot. Um, but on results, he's. I don't know how you couldn't make the argument that he's not playing the best coming into this week. I have no idea. We talked about his game. He's not performed well at Quill Hollow in the past. He was sort of plodding along the last month and a half, uh, Open Championship excluded. So like, I, I get. I understand why you're not, if people aren't saying like he will a million percent win, but, uh, you know, seems like, seems like pretty short money here at, at 12 to one on the website I'm looking at. Yeah. I think, I think Kuchar's a good pick as well. Um, you know, I, I think guys that are going to play well in this event are the guys that are going to be able to remain. It's such a weird cliche thing to say. However, this golf course can bite you. Uh, as we talked about the, the finish of this golf course, there's, there's, there's a lot of water issues you're going to encounter. So the guys that can really hold it together from a ball striking perspective and, and avoid the big mistake are the ones that are gonna uh, that are gonna prevail. I would love nothing more than to see you know the thing come down to one of those finishes. Somebody rinses it, you know, mm -hmm. going for it. I mean, maybe, hey, maybe it's Charlie Hoffman. But the excitement that the PGA Championship to me 
has created over the years has been those shootout type events where it gets into a gunfight between two guys uh, down the stretch. Maybe a playoff. Who knows? Some free golf will be a lot of fun. And if it's this, if, if this year it can, it can deliver a real major caliber champion, all the better. Um, yeah. But, you know, part of the fun of the PGA Championship is that, you know, you have club pros playing in the event. You have guys that can be anonymous and be, you know, immortalized as major, major champions. How um, many how many club pros play? It, it's like it's not a lot. But uh, I think it's like dozens of them. I, I wonder I wonder if um, a club pro's ever won it like way back. Maybe like way, way back. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just very quickly scroll through the the tee times here. And count as quickly as possible. 5, 10, 15. There's at least 20. I think it's 20. There's 20 pros here. I think that's so cool. I think that's awesome. I think it's great. I feel like one or two make the cut every year, and it's a great story. And you know, someone's going to go shoot par on the first day and be, be top 20. I think it's fantastic. I think it's, uh, it's a, a pretty cool nuance of this tournament versus all the others. That's, that's great. Let's talk for a second about one of these guys. Omar Aresti of Austin, Texas. He won the 2017 PGA Professional Championship in a playoff. Omar coming. And, yeah, 20 guys are going to play. Wow. So he's a 48-year-old PGA professional. This is his third consecutive PGA Championship that he's qualified for. Yeah. That is unbelievable to me. You just, I mean, if you're one of the best club pros, right, like you could just do this every year. You could pencil it in. Yeah. I I mean... You're like right. If, if you're that good, I mean, guy can ball flat out. I think it'd be cool. I mean, I yeah, I, I think I don't know. I I love the the romance of like the playing golf professional. You know, it's such an old concept. You don't see that a lot these days. You got your green grass professionals that you know that run the club professionals. They run their shop. They run their club. That's sort of what they do. They have to focus. There's so, there's only so many hours in the day. You got to focus on you know that. To find the time to be able to compete at that level, I don't know how they do it. Um, obviously, one of the greats, Bob Ford, who uh, they at the at the um, at last year's U.S. Open at Oakmont, he was the former club professional there. He's a, he's one of the I think he has one of the best records as a PGA tour uh, playing a PGA sorry PGA playing professional. Um, but it's sort of a I think it harkens back to more of the older generation than maybe more the newer ones, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's always fun to see those guys. This event, I think these stories are cool. I know at the Masters, sometimes the cut will produce an odd number, and they'll have some member or local pro go and play with whoever's in last place, so as to have an even number. I remember a couple years ago, I think Keegan had to play by himself, and they brought some guy in, and he shot like a sixty-four. Yeah, he's a member at <laughs> like Augusta on Sunday. Um, yeah, he's a member at Augusta, and he's an absolute stick. And I mean, he's right. not he's not rolling it either. Like that's no, maybe, that's everything in the hole. No, 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 us, no that's like, everything in the hole. That's now to be fair, if it's your home course, I guess, or if you're you're a member and um, but no, actually, that's insane. It doesn't matter if there's no pressure at all. That is incredible to be able to put those numbers up and play. Even like you said in play in uh, pro ams, you play in a pro am with one of these guys. It can be intimidating to play next to players of that caliber. And then, oh my God, even at the pro-am, there's people watching, there's people walking down the, you know, cause it's, it's one of the practice round days and yeah, geez. I mean, to do that in an actual event, that's why I think going back to the, the Steph Curry thing, it was just cool because of the added pressure, maybe cause Steph Curry's an elite athlete. He's competed um, in front of, you know, billions of people mm-hmm. um, in his career. The idea that for him, maybe it's less, but yeah, for Omar, to, to go out there, Omar Aresti of Austin, Texas, for three years in a row to qualify for the PGA Championship and play. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Well, back to the pro-am thing real quick, and, and good luck to Omar. And, and by the way, I was flipping through just the list of, of PGA pros. I saw D. McNabb teeing off at 740, and I clicked just to make sure it wasn't Donovan. It is not. <laughs> uh, rest easy. Donovan McNabb was not given a sponsor exemption to the PGA Tour. It Donovan is, McNabb. It is David McNabb, and we wish him all the best. David yeah. McNabb, the brother-in-law. The brother. Yeah. Brother <laughs> from another mother of Donovan. But David no, so just like real quick on the Pro-Am, I, I have gone to the, the Deutsche Bank Pro-Am. I guess there's now the Dell Technologies event here in, in, um, in Boston. Uh, in Norton, specifically. It is such a cool event, and to your point about these guys getting nervous... Mike, I would, Michael, sure. Michael Bloomberg was in a greenside bunker 
and it took him three hacks to get out. And yeah, that would be my nightmare. some guy next to me who I've never met in my whole life looks at me and goes, all the money in the world and just walks away. It's so true. <laughs> right? How about teeing off? Like there's that famous, I think it's Tom Watson where he snap hooks it into the crowd and he like absolutely just drills somebody. And you'd think this would happen more just because they're human beings. But imagine teeing off with people lining the tees like they do. They, I mean, that's what would happen if you're playing with a cool enough pro. People are going to follow you. You're playing with Phil, right? Yep. There's going to be 150 people lining that tee box and you got to tee it up. My God, I would take somebody's head clean off. Oh, I, I, know. I don't know I, that I could do it. I just probably hit. I'd just probably hit like. Yeah, no, right? I, I totally agree. You I would. I, the, the, liab- the liability of that, I probably wouldn't. Exactly, I'd hit nine iron but the whole round. I'd shoot ninety two, yeah. and I'd be fine what with do you it. Care? <laughs> be totally yeah. fine with it. Uh, another so that that Mickelson Larry Summers story, like Phil was getting heated. Cause Larry Summers, liberal economist, had a different view of of what inversions mean than Phil did, <laughs> and Phil just completely bladed like you or I would blade a six iron on a par three and he just kind of like looks at Larry. He's like, you got me pissed. Like, let's talk. And they hopped in the same cart. You do know um, that. Cause like, he was just so that's fired like part up. of the, like the, <laughs> Oh, it's so cool. The for Phil the, reputation the, that he like goes toe to toe with business leaders and tycoons. And his, that's the whole like fig jam part of the fig jam. Well, thing. I don't think it's part of the fig jam. He talked about this on Faraday. He's like, I think this is fascinating that I'm talking to someone who was, you know, the, the treasury secretary, then the president of Harvard university who, you know, told the Winklevoss twins to fucking take a hike when yeah. Facebook got stolen from them. That's a, that's a fascinating person. And Phil gets to do that like every week. They right? do get and, to meet some pretty interesting people. You know, and, and so, I don't know, think about Jimmy Walker, how much he loves space. I'm sure when they play the Shell Houston Open, he's like, line me up with a oh, yeah. dope astronaut. And I want to talk about some shit. I bet yeah. these guys love Head it. over to the jet propulsion Certainly lab. not as much as like the people playing to or paying, you know, the hundred grand to the first tee so that they can get time with Rory. Right. But I'm, I'm sure it is. It's one of the perks of the tour. You know, we saw this week Jason Day had uh, J.R. Smith yeah. carrying the bag. You know, they're both like Nike endorsed pl- people. And, and I thought that was actually pretty cool. Like they had the mic, they mic'd him up. Yeah. And obviously like J.R. Smith, I'm not sure how big of a golfer he is, but um, like to see those two guys, I don't know. Again, we talked about it at, like with what Tiger started, like putting golf on the map, like seeing those two athletes stand next to each other talking at a golf event. It's it's great for the game. I think it makes it look cooler. Tip of the cap to Nike for pulling that together. But um, but you're right. Like if you're not a if you're not J.R. Smith and you're a titan tycoon of industry or somebody that's very successful, getting access to players, I think they're just like the rest of us. I think if you're uh, a billionaire, you probably get just as fired up to get a chance to go teed up with Ricky Fowler as you or I would. Right? Yeah, and, I it's, mean, and it's just a weird <laughs> setting where like uh, you know Bloomberg's just walking by you. We all and, love and golf. There was there was another moment where like. You know, one of the Koch brothers walked by and I was thinking like that, that guy is like the eighth richest person on our planet. And he's out here just like, you know, putting up sevens and eights like the rest of us and, and asking it, for, for like, yeah, tips just, on how to. Yeah. yeah, it was just a funny it's, it's a funny, it's a funny environment. I, I would recommend to anyone that they go to the Pro-Am uh, at their next PJ event if they can. All right. But anyway, we got a little off topic there. PJ yeah. Championship. So, yeah, just back on the PJ Championship. It's it's it never really has the hype of the other three majors. But um, it definitely has some great traditions. We talked about the, the club professionals and the aspect of, you know, the chance for the runner-up or the, 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 the underdog guys to come in and play. But I think the story of this week is going to be the changes to the golf course. I think they're dead serious about making this, um, you know, closer to a U.S. Open caliber event while still retaining the birdie low-score capabilities um, that are uh, low score tendencies that you'll see at a, at a PJ championship, just a little bit longer, you know, a little bit to your point, um, a little bit more, um, d- difficult of a challenge for my money. If we're going for picks, I, I honestly have to go with Rory McIlroy. Um, he's, he's so comfortable here. I think it's time that he, he finally gets his mental game together for four rounds. Doesn't, won't require a pep talk. On the weekend, he wants it bad. He wants to shut the door on Jordan Spieth and give him the opportunity to become the first guy of the, or the so the first of his his squad um, to the. Which is crazy that we have three guys right now going for it. I know. Um, Phil, Rory, and Jordan, but he wants it bad. I think Jordan potentially could be a bit burned out. He's had a big 
Um, you know, a big year, obviously. I think he's going to need to drive the ball better than he has driven it before um, th- or driven it earlier this year. This is not Royal Burkdale. And, um, you know, ball striking is going to be the, the, the premium, not putting. So we'll see. But I got, uh, I'm going to take Rory as my pick. Yeah, thinking about my pick, uh, you can think about your dark horse while I, while I give my top line pick. I was sort of thinking about, you know, kind of in the vein of the Duffners and the Jimmy Walkers, like Keegan Bradley's folks who are good, who punch through with their with the first major at the PGA. And I was thinking about Patrick Reed. But Patrick Reed just hasn't really done anything to, to justify a pick other than he sort of has some commonality in those three guys I just mentioned, that good player who hadn't quite won and wasn't an elite player. Hideki Matsuyama is on a trajectory now that, if we're talking about similarities with past champions, is very similar to Jason Days of a couple years ago, where he was an excellent player, top five, top three player, no major, was just playing extremely well coming into the event and continued that momentum and got his first major victory. Uh, I know that Hideki has not played this course extremely well. He also hasn't imploded on it. I don't know anyone who's playing hotter golf at the moment and if he turned in 61 on sunday with not having total control of his swing i fear for the field if he is in control of his swing this week i think hideki's uh i think hideki's gonna win on sunday i think he's definitely a lock for top 10 top 20 but i worry the pressure like tommy fleetwood in and they're obviously different caliber players at the moment although fleetwood at the time was playing really good golf um i worry that the pressure of being the first uh uh, the first Japanese major champion ever, second Asian uh, major champion ever, weighs on a guy that young. We forget how young this guy is. And I think, just like Fleetwood, there's going to be a lot of questions. Maybe not from as much from the American press, but you know he's getting this question all the time mm-hmm. uh, from Japanese press. And it's uh, an unbelievable chance. Like you said, if there's anyone in the field that's hotter, it's that guy just coming off that win. But... Like Fleetwood, um, there's there's just that little extra bag. Well, Matsuyama is, is a much better player than Tommy Fleetwood, and Tommy Fleetwood was playing like in his hometown. I think the situations are very different. The, the pressure of Hideki trying to win a major has been true all year and will be true until he wins one. I don't think there's anything all that unique about this week yeah. other than the expectations from the rest of the world might be a little higher. Yeah, uh, But he's also not someone that strikes me as being phased by any of those things. He... Week in, week out, this guy is on the leaderboard. He is charging. He almost pulled this off at the U.S. Open. Uh, he's just there all the time, all the time. He's a great player, and and I don't know. He's playing so well right now. I can't, I can't not take him. <laughs> all right. Well, um, dark horse, dark horse. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been hot on Paul Casey. He's too high to pick as a dark horse this year. Um, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna have to go with. Um, with my man Tommy Fleetwood, I, I, okay. I like this is the reverse for him. The pressure is completely off. Nobody's really paying a lot of attention to him. It's kind of exactly, kind of, it's exactly what happened at the U.S. Open. Um, it, it, the guys played incredibly well when he can fly under the radar a little bit. So, yep, I think he's a really good pick. He can come off win on this golf course, and uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised to see him at least in the top ten, uh, if not you know making a run on Sunday. Yeah, I was sort of bouncing around the board, like who to pick. I, you know, we sort of set these rules of they got to be like fifty to one or more, and, just, and I was yeah. just sort of thinking, like, okay, like who's sort of in that in that band? And Lee Westwood has never won a major. <laughs> people he, have sort yeah. of he's he's sort of sailing into the sunset, and people don't talk about him as a contender anymore. And yet, he always seems to find himself in the discussion. Certainly after like Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Um, you know, and I could see him becoming a bit of a, a sympathy case where the, the crowd would support him in the absence of some other extremely likable player, Rory, Ricky, Phil, one of those, where, yeah. you know, it's Sunday, and if it's like, if it's Westwood versus Matsuyama, or if it's Westwood versus, I don't know, just pick any, like, random guy, I don't know. But you could see the crowd saying, you know what, Westwood has given his life to this game, and let's get him his major, and people pulling for him. So... I expect he'll make the cut. I expect he'll make some noise. I have no idea if he'll win the tournament. It would be cool to see that. I mean, like if we if we were here Monday talking about Lee Westwood winning the winning a major, it'd be huge. That'd be a cool pod. I'd be excited about. It'd be that. huge. 
I'd be more excited for that discussion than I would be for, you know, all right, Billy Horschel won that, like, I don't give a shit. I, Lee Westwood right, so winning would be great. In the vein of that, in the vein of I'm fucking tired of not winning a major. As crazy as that sounds, but you're right. Like, at that level, yeah, you're tired of it. Where does Matt Kuchar stand on that? Um, where does our boy Charlie Hoffman stand on that? I mean, he's knocked on the door of pretty much every major, not every major, but uh, every significant event at some point in his career. Yeah. Where does he stand on that? Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't view them the same because Kuchar was, Kuchar was in the lead after, you know, 13 holes of, a, of the most recent major, right? So in my mind, I don't think of him as someone who's like, window is shutting. Kuchar still got a chance. Often was lead the Masters, albeit not on Sunday, but, right? I mean, he's given away leads on Sunday. I think he's mentally uh, certainly capable of getting himself in those positions. I'd love to see... I, I think Hoffman is another... If you can call a guy who's had that much success this year a dark horse, but I don't think most of the golf world is giving this guy as, as much of a shot this week as he probably should get. Yeah, Hoffman... We like Charlie Hoffman. Charlie Hoffman hasn't won like nearly enough um, to to sort of merit the discussion of is he going to go win a major? He's got four professional wins. Um, the last was in 2016. Uh, you know, he won the Valero Texas Open. I don't know. I just like he. I like him. I like his game. He's playing really well. I can't wait for him to be on the Presidents Cup. Um, he's a friend of the pod. I just don't know if he's at major contention yet because like you said in in april he kind of crapped the bed like he he was mm-hmm. i think leading the tournament and he imploded on the weekend yeah um, that's exactly what happened and you know i think that you know baby steps i would expect him to be a, a top 20 sort of player this week um but i i wouldn't expect him to win i'd be pretty shocked if he did but i'd be i'd be happy for him and i'd love to i'd love to have that conversation too maybe some rich beam magic is uh Floating around Quail Hollow this weekend, maybe. I mean, what? Rich Beam was such like a rando, though. Like, I mean, <laughs> he R- took down Rich, Tiger in Tiger's Prime. Yeah, and then had one it's of like underrated the all-time great finish. Sports Center commercials where he drove in with his with his trophy and his, yeah. you know, in the trunk or in the passenger seat of his yeah. like Miata or whatever. I don't know. I, I think that the Rich the Beam shoes. Well, hey, I mean, Rich Beam was like, I, I don't know, like Scalar like, Majors in Westwood. Yeah, but I'm just sort of thinking like Rich Beam if there were. If, if we went back in time and like how long of a long shot was he? I mean, he was like a 200 to one ish guy. Somebody I mean, made he, a lot of money taking a flyer on that guy that week. Yeah, I just I, I like no one even heard of him. Um, you know, I don't know. Th- this tournament is funny in that way. And and we'll see. Maybe we'll be surprised. Uh, but I do. Th- I do think just the, the difficulty of this course uh, will sort of separate the wheat from the chaff, and and you'll get you'll get a major winner who is yeah. is worthy. What are your thoughts on John Rom? What's happened to John Rom as far as he was again? Maybe he's just a young guy, but he was expected to to fucking dominate this entire year and hasn't dominated. So is that just me being a a bit overly critical on a guy that's had a fairly decent uh, rookie season, or is this um? You know, hype and no substance. Yeah, I mean, well, there's lots of substance. John Rahm can play. Yeah. Um, John Rahm has one PGA win in his career. No, I'm just saying, like, so he wins he's the Scottish 20, Open by six 22. shots. No, I'm just saying, so he wins the Scottish Open by six shots. He goes into the Open as the you know, odds-on favorite, or at least one of them. And I'm just saying... <sighs> There's Speed's a desire delivered. when there's a young player, there's a desire for that person to just absolutely fucking dominate, right? And there are only so many Rory's and Jordan Spieth's and Tiger Woods. I would submit there's like three of them, yeah. right? I mean, this isn't the way it works. John Rahm is an extremely talented player who's going to have to go through the mental ups and downs of success and failure in large tournaments and then in majors. You know, John Rahm's never played in a Ryder Cup. John Rahm is a 22-year-old kid who 15 months ago was going to class <laughs> in Tempe, Arizona. So he, yeah. I think that it's a bit the, of a the expectation set to just change. like, oh, this guy Although, hits bombs and like he won a tournament so he should win every week. The same thing was, was said of Justin Thomas right. and the same thing was, is just said all the time of these people. It would just feel ridiculous if, if we were like, all right, well now that like Xander or Bryson has won a tournament, you know, if they don't win, like if they don't, if they, if they miss the cut this week, like they're bums. 
It, it's no, just, I, no, I'm not suggesting that. My 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 point is is that John Rahm physically, uh, he hits the ball with a very short or a very uh, a very short list of PJ Tour players. He can putt very well. He's proven that he can be a dominant player. Mm-hmm. Right. This isn't um, Zach Johnson, who is not a dominant player and has never been a dominant player. But can win majors. It's just that Zach's got to get the right configuration of the golf course, the right weather, and he's got to play well, and the field's got to kind of play with him. John Rom can go out and outrace all the thoroughbreds out there and beat him, like a Rory can, like a Dustin can, like a Jordan has proven that he can. So my point is, is that is this an event that that, that Rom can show up and prove to the world that he is just as good as everybody thinks he is? Or? Sure, it's a little like Hideki this last week, where no one was going to beat Hideki on Sunday. It wasn't going to happen. Nope. Hideki was just in another gear. And I think John Rahm has the talent to find that gear. But like we talk about, I think there are 10 or so guys who can find that gear and they yeah. can just go out. And I mean, Kepka in the U S open, like no, no one was going to beat Brooks Kepka that day. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And could Rom be that guy for sure? Um, you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, Rom's stats are, are so impressive. Um, as far as strokes gained off the tees, top five there. He's top five strokes in total. You know, his game is great. This is a sort of, this could definitely happen for him. There's no reason it, it can't. Um, but like, I don't view John Rahm any differently this week than I would view Ricky or JT or, or just any of the other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people that we know are extraordinarily talented who haven't quite done it on a major stage yet. And, and we'll see what happens and maybe they'll surprise us and, Look, love John Rahm's game. We'll see it. I just there's nothing about it that uh, flies off the page this week for right. me. Uh, quick mea culpa on Zach Johnson. Last week I called him out specifically as someone who would not do well at the Firestone, <laughs> and he nearly won. Uh, so yeah. obviously proved me wrong. Zach is such an adaptable game. Um, well, you know, it's like his he, Masters that he won. Literally, every expert in the world was saying that there's no chance. Can't hit it far enough. He doesn't have the ability to hit the ball high enough. And, you know, it, he won the tournament. So yeah. Zach, can, he can play well. I think he does, need, um, he does need the stars to align just a bit, a bit more than some of the other dominant players. But, like, we're talking about a very short list of people. Like, to be able to win a PGA Tour event in, at all uh, is significant. You look at a guy like Ricky Fowler, who is an unbelievably talented player, um, just as far as career wins hasn't really shown... It to be him to be in the same caliber as some of his peers that we always associate him with, Jordan, Rory, you know, John Rahm's already got one win, so it's like you know it's, it's we'll see, we'll see how that pans out. I, I actually think Ricky, we haven't talked a ton about him today, aside from the whole joggers thing, but I think he's, I think this golf course sets up really well for his golf game. I also think that mentally he is. Um, in as good of a place as he's been in a long, long time. Yeah, I think we. I mean, we talk about Rick every every week as someone who could go out and win, and that's that is extraordinarily true. Um, and he's won on this course, which is a nice benefit for him. And he played. I think he played Saturday, Sunday, sixty six, sixty seven mm-hmm. this weekend. So he he's playing well. I just it, you know it, I feel like we do this for most tournaments with Ricky. He could definitely go win. Um, but you know, he could just as easily not win. So look, unabashed fan of, of Ricky and of Phil here. Um, (laughs) you know, I, I don't, Phil has not shown a whole lot in recent weeks to justify. I don't even know if I'll pick him in our pool as sacrilegious as that is. Um, you know, but Ricky's a good example of someone who I think will go perform well, play well, and he'll be in the mix. He's in the, he's in the, the bingo spinning, you know, thing of, of contenders who may come out of this thing with a W I just don't think he's a favorite, um, personally. But, but we'll see. And you know, he, you know, it's funny. He's in a he's in a funny group where I think he's playing with he's playing with Rory and someone else who is. I think he's playing with Rory the first two days. Um, well, right. He, he's with. Well, he sorry. He is with Rory and John Rahm. Um, so he's gonna have a massive gallery. Yep. Um, you know, and it'll be one of two situations for whenever those groups kind of play together. They either all do really well or they all do really poorly. I remember, um, I think the Masters maybe two years ago where Ricky was playing with like Dustin Johnson and maybe like Louis Oosthuizen or something. And every one of them was like seven or eight over par um, after the first round. 
it's just bad golf is contagious. You know, bad golf is contagious when you and I are both playing poorly and good golf is contagious when we're both playing well. So when you're in a, in a, in a hammerhead lineup like that, you know, if they all bring the juice, then we might have, you know, those three guys playing together all weekend. Um, but you know, then again, it's a, it'll be an interesting setup with, uh, just that's probably the marquee group of the weekend, right? They're seeing off in the afternoon. They're going to be on TV. It's just, it's a, that's going to be, we'll see. I, there's no reason again, Ricky is in the bundle of people who could absolutely go win. Uh, but like, it wouldn't shock me if Ricky kind of just meandered around the way he did this last weekend. And, and that's sorry. That's not to say a top 10 at Firestone is meandering around, but he just, he was never a threat to win the tournament. He just went out and played well and did his thing. Um, and it, you know, nothing wrong with that, but, but Ricky hasn't won in a while and, and to pick him to win a major, um, you know, there's a difference between playing well and winning and Ricky hasn't won in a while. And, and I hope he does, but I don't think he will. Well, 2017, PGA Championship Week is here. We have an opportunity for Ricky Fowler to put his name on the history books. We also have an opportunity for Rory McIlroy to reestablish his position in the um, you know in the conversation. And for- you know, this feels worth noting. This is the the last PGA Championship for the next thirty years that Seamus Power won't be participating in because <laughs> Seamus is going to win the PGA Championship next year. You think so? I do. Friend of the pod, Seamus Power. All right, well, for the Ultimate Shot Podcast, I am Mike. I'm Matt. And we will see you next week. See you guys. Bye.